the Word of God. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Now I have told you. Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Let's pray together. Most gracious, loving, present God. Thank you for these words, the truth that nothing in the tomb is everything. Father, may our ears, and most importantly, may our hearts be open to Your Spirit in this place at this time. And Father, may these words, may this realization that the tomb is empty, that that Your Son was not here, may that realization speak loudly to us. Bless this time. Bless each and every one of us. Thank You for Your risen Son. It's in His name we pray. Amen. This past football season, my father-in-law, Mike, Laura's dad, uh, he lives in the Arlington-Fort Worth area. He is a a TCU uh, football fan, I think mainly by default because it's right down the road from him. And so my father-in-law enjoys going to TCU football games with one of my nephews, one of his grandsons, who lives in the area with him, and he'll often buy uh, tickets. And I remember this past football season visiting uh, my in-law's house, visiting Laura's parents, and we were there for, for whatever reason, and we were there and visiting, and he was telling me that he bought tickets for this upcoming Thursday night football game. And he was really excited because he had got great seats and he was going to take his grandson, my nephew, Ben, to this game. And he was kind of just excited, I think, about the seats, being on the 50-yard line and all these different things. And I thought that was great. So uh, when Friday rolls around after the Thursday game, I made it a point to check in with my father-in-law and ask, hey, how was the game? He goes, funny story. So we were on our way to the game. 
And I thought, man, this is great. No one's here yet. We're beating the crowd. And he gets to this. He keeps getting closer and closer to uh, the stadium. And he finds a parking, uh, a parking lot. And he pulls in. And there's a security guard. And she says, well, what are you doing? He says, we're here for the game. She goes, basketball game? He goes, no, 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 the football game. She goes, well, there's no game of any kind here. Can I see your tickets? So she shows him the tickets. And sure enough, he bought Thursday night TCU football tickets, but they were for the next Thursday, not that Thursday. Now, my father-in-law, because if this was me, I would have been incredibly upset. But Mike, being one of the coolest guys that I know, he said to me, he goes, he says, uh, he says well, bad publicity is still good publicity. And I'm like, Mike, you're not famous. He goes, that's okay. <laughs> he, he and Ben turned it into a night, but their expectations were dashed, right? When you go to an event like that and you expect, say, a football game, and you go and there's nothing there, very easily, at least uh, for me, I would have been hurt or upset, more upset with myself about the entire situation when you expect something to be there. This is Matthew chapter 28. It is these women, Mary and others, are going to the tomb with tickets and they expect one thing. They expect to do one thing in particular, which is a burial ritual of the dead body of Jesus, covering Him with oils and spices and those kinds of things. Their ticket shows them one thing, and when they arrive to the event to which they expect, they find another thing. And it is the nothing that they find which would make me upset. It is the nothing that they find that is everything to us. It is the emptiness of the tomb that matters greater than any other truth that we can have because all things flow from the empty tomb. All truth, all life, and especially all hope. The nothing that the women find there matters. It matters. It matters today because if that tomb is as, as was expected, then everything changes. But it's empty. And their, expect, their expectations are dashed. And here's the thing that really has grabbed my attention in preparation for this particular lesson and reading of Matthew chapter 28. It's when the women arrive and obviously are confused because the, the stones should be there. And other accounts of the gospel show that the women are wondering how they're going to roll the stone back. So you can imagine their surprise when they get there and the stone is rolled back. But you can imagine the shock on their faces when they enter into the tomb and nothing is there. And this angel is there with them. And the angel speaks. And in Matthew chapter 28, one of the first things that this angel says to the ladies is, he is not here. Wow. He's not here. The expectation is he's there. We witnessed him die. 
We saw him buried. We saw the stone rolled over. We were here for the entire death of our Lord and Savior. He's here. But the message is, the truth is, he is not here. And that phrase... That phrase that grabs my attention because it is an indicator of all things in my life. And what I mean by that is, is that all things that I expect in my life can be thrown out, can go away, cannot matter because my expectations for what I think ought to happen, the tickets I have in hand, the event I expect to happen, there's nothing here. And he is not here means that something has happened. Because in death, there is death. Right? When death occurs, we can fully expect what happens next, which is nothing. Death. When death occurs, death is there, death has reigned, and there is nothing left that can happen. You pronounce death and that is it. But here in this moment, these words that are spoken, he is not here changes that. The expectation of death and what comes after death, which is more death, is not there. Something else has occurred. Something new has occurred. And what should be filled with a body is now empty of hope. It's these words that change not only these women's lives, it's the words that change our lives today. They change our world if we would allow it. Death, the ending is death. But here, death now has a new ending, which is life. Man, when you pay attention to Matthew chapter 28, any of these resurrection stories in the Gospels really, but when you really hone in on what's going on here with these women and this moment of unexpected truth, you realize that nothing matters. Because the nothing is everything. And the nothing in the tomb leads these women to a mission of nothing. Realizing nothing is our mission. Quickly, the angel says, tell the disciples, verse 7. They now have new purpose. Can you imagine the words that are spoken? He is not here. He is risen. And now life changes in the nothing. The women had tickets for one event, and they are told to go do another event. Life alters in the truth that nothing is there. He is not here changes their mission because what they expected to do is not what they end up doing because the tomb is empty. And that truth is ours as well. What we expect in this life and in this world changes when we allow the empty tomb to change us. When we get rid of, when we put aside the stuff that fills us. Nothing is our mission, but also nothing 
is worth worshiping. And in verse 9, when they see Jesus for the first time, the first encounter with the resurrected Jesus, what do the women do? What do these ladies do in this moment of fear? They clasped His feet and worshipped Him. Not knowing what to do because their expectations are gone and something new has arrived. They worship and nothing is our worship. It's worth worshiping. Because in this moment, He is not here changes it all. And it leads us into a mission. It leads us into a new path. Jesus' first words. We're going to spend a little more time with these words out of the, uh, the Gospels next week. But... Jesus says, do not be afraid. I want you to go and tell my brothers that I'll meet them in Galilee. Verse 10. And it's here that Jesus puts them on a new path. Now, their path doesn't change. They literally stay on the same path to get back to Galilee. But their life path has now been altered in this moment because of the truth that the angel speaks. He is not here. Nothing is here. That is worth worshiping. That is our mission. And that is the path that we are on. And if the empty tomb does not affect you, if it does not push you, if it does not alter your thinking, and it does not alter your path, then it doesn't matter. Something matters, not nothing matters. And it ought to be the nothing that matters more than everything else or the something in our lives. Now here's the grand thought for this lesson out of Matthew chapter 28. Because the realization of what should be and what ends up happening in Matthew chapter 28 in this third day of Jesus' death, the expectation being death is death, something godly happens. And it's life. And so the big idea is this. Throw out your expectations. Throw out your expectations. You see, with an empty tomb, all expectations are gone. See, with nothing there where there should be something all expectations are turned upside down, thrown out the window, put in the garbage, because all the expectations that you and I have in this world and in the next can be thrown out the window. Because anything is is possible with the God who can bring the dead to life. See, our expectation is death is death, but in Jesus Christ now, we can find out the expectation that we have can be thrown out, and death is actually life. Perhaps one of the messages, and again, we'll spend a little time with this next week, but perhaps one of the messages that you and I need to take away is that it is okay to die in this world. And it is certainly okay to die to this world. 
If our expectations are that we're going to spend after death time in the box or in the ashes or the urn, then our expectations are centered around something when our expectations ought to be thrown out and centered around, well, nothing. The empty tomb and a risen Savior throws those expectations out. The impossible has happened. We worship the impossible. The expectation that we come in here to get something or the expectation that this church exists to fulfill us is ridiculous. Because the nothing that is in the tomb throws out the expectations that we are building anything. We are just joining in the nothing of the risen Savior. We are joining in the impossible mission and way and worship of God. Because nothing is here. We don't have to have the fear of death because our expectations can be gone. Now, I want to do this very quickly, but I want us to kind of get the idea here a little bit about these expectations because if you pay attention to Jesus Christ, and as Jim led us in our, in our uh, communion thoughts this morning, is if you are paying attention to this three and a half year window of Jesus's life in particular, and I'm guessing if there was ever a book written about all 30 something years of his life, this would be the theme of it is that what you expect of the man you can throw out because our expectations of a king or a savior, and especially true for the Jewish people of the first century can be thrown out the window. In Matthew chapter 4, for instance, Jesus is going to call His first disciples to begin to follow Him. Now, a rabbi who's going to have disciples, he's going to pick the brightest, the smartest, the most well-known and educated of society to come and, and learn at His feet. You know who Jesus calls? He calls the roughest, most uneducated rejected people of his society, the fishermen. And he says in verse 19 of chapter 4, he says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. The, expect the expectations of the rabbi are gone. And his new discipleship program has begun. A few chapters later, in chapter 8, verse 3, a man with leprosy comes upon Jesus. Now one, the man with leprosy is defying all expectations of, of health expectations to stay out of the community, live in the leper colony. He risks it all to go to the feet of Jesus. And probably the most amazing thing about this story is that Jesus doesn't flinch in the presence of a leper. There's no cure for this. And the leper comes to the feet of Jesus and he tells him, he asks him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And here's the, un here, throw your expectations out because he doesn't flinch in the moment. He doesn't hesitate to his answer. Chapter 8, verse 3, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left the man. The next chapter, 
verse 11. The Pharisees now building a little momentum to find something of fault with this rabbi Jesus. They go to his disciples and they ask him, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's a disgust in the question from these, from these religious community leaders. The expectation is a rabbi of this stature and of these kinds of teachings would be sitting with the elites, the higher-ups, the well-educated, the wealthy of society. And they are disgusted because their expectations can be thrown out the window. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Jesus, with a child in His lap, which is so scandalous for first century Middle East. With a child in his lap, he tells his disciples, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus doing? Throw out your expectations. I call the roughest into my program. I call the littlest into my kingdom, your expectations for wealthy and smart and, and contributing to all the things of your community can be thrown out the window. And it's here in Matthew 19 I want to spend just a couple of moments with. Matthew chapter 19, a man described as a rich young ruler, meaning wealthy, influential, and very popular. And his community. He probably inherited a great amount from his family, which led to those three things. He comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, and he has a question for Jesus. And I don't think the man is trying to trap Jesus. I believe the man legitimately wants to know, how do I get to heaven? And so Jesus replies in Matthew chapter 19. He replies with the answer. He says, well, you need to follow the laws of God. And he gives four commandments. And the man replies, oh, I'm doing that. I have followed the laws of God. And Jesus says, there's one thing left that you must do. That is sell your possessions. Then you can come follow me. And in Matthew chapter 19, it's recorded that the man, saddened by the reply of Jesus, walks away from him. Picking up in verse 23, the moments right after the man leaving. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and He said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I didn't tell Stephen for the children's message that we were going to have this in our message this morning. Verse 27, Peter answered, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? 
Jesus replies to him, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for My sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Now there is a lot in these passages, but what I wanted us to hear primarily in this setting this morning is that our expectations even for the eternal life that is to come are thrown out in the empty tomb. In verse 27, did you notice the misery and disgust in Peter's voice when he asked the question? We've left everything for you. What is there going to be for us? Because Peter has an expectation for how this ought to go. You see, Jesus, I got a ticket here. And the ticket says this time, this place. And it says I'm going to sit in these seats My expectation is all of this is going to happen the way I expect it to happen, okay? And what does Jesus do? No. One, it's more than just following the commandments of God, the rich young man in the the verses before this. You can do all the good. You can be a part of all the good things. You You can charity all the way to heaven if you want. But if your heart is not placed in the empty tomb of nothing, it won't matter. So when Jesus gets to his disciples after this man walks away saddened because he's not going to sell his stuff, they don't understand because their expectations are in the way. Here's the hard truth. Our expectations get in the way. You could say, well, I left my church. I left a good church to come be a part of a church plant. My expectations better be met. You can say, I moved to this area and I'm looking for the church that we left. We thrive there. My expectations better be met. Church, I can say the same thing. I left a really good job to be a part of a church plant. But how dare I say, my expectations ought to be met. This is not us, and this is not ours. This is the God who was risen from the dead. Nothing matters because nothing was there, and that is everything. Our expectations cripple us. They anchor us in the wrong places. Because our ideas are built around those expectations and we're like boats in one spot. What's the point of a boat if it never boats around? Couldn't think of a good verb. (laughs) They cripple us. They derail us spiritually. And the expectations that we have can be thrown out. Tear the tickets up. 
Realize you're going to show up to the game on the wrong day, and that is okay. There's death and there's taxes you can be certain of, but we probably ought to add a third one, and that is Jesus is going to do unexpected things. Always and forever, because nothing is here. Last saying is closing as invitation. Life is nothing. Life ought to dwell and thrive and walk out of the nothing of the empty tomb. Several years ago, we were living in West Texas. We only had Reese and Lucy, and they were very small toddlers at the time. And I remember uh, we were having a, a, a week, a really hard week of getting them to clean up their toys in our, in our front room, in our playroom. And they wouldn't do it, and they wouldn't do it, or they would do a couple, but there would still be toys everywhere. So, in my grand wisdom as a father, you know what I did? Grabbed a couple of trash bags. And I made sure that they witnessed the throwing away of all their toys. As I went through, I reminded them, you had several days to clean this up and you wouldn't do it. We've asked you over and over again. And I was taking toy after toy and stuffed animal after stuffed animal. Filled two full bags of stuffed animals and toys. And I put them in the garage. My, and I mean this, my... I, I was going to give them back. I was going to wait a couple of days and then bring the story back and all the things and would have a great life lesson. It would be something that would be with them for the rest of their lives and I would win Parent of the Year. Well, I forgot about them. And they stayed there for several weeks in the garage. And the funny thing is, as I was reflecting on that, they forgot about them. They still played without their bags, their two bags full of toys. And in fact, after we found them several weeks later, Laura and I said, well, what do we do? They haven't asked about them. They've forgotten about them. And so we gave them, I think we gave all those toys away. And the funny thing is, is when you and I expect something, we want to be filled with something. We want all the things. And the thing is, the nothing that matters, well, we realize that our expectations of bags full of toys in this world don't matter. They're not going to fill us and we'll actually forget about them in the nothing. The nothing that matters is the nothing that is in the tomb, the risen Savior who comes, the one that we clasp at His feet and worship, the one who changes the path that we are on. He is the nothing that matters. Life is found in that nothing, not the stuff that we fill in our bags of this world. Now that truth matters. That nothing matters. That nothing ought to change everything about who we are. Now some of us, we need to be reminded of that. Not because I said it, but because God's Spirit is in this place. My invitation here this morning as we stand and sing this song is that you will respond to God. And you will respond to the nothing that is found in the tomb because that matters more than your toys filled in those trash bags. Expect nothing. Let's stand together and let's sing.